0: Welcome to VPG's Virtual Water Cooler Chat podcast, where we share lessons and stories of women professionals to help empower other women and expand a greater circle of influence so we walk our journey with those who understand and appreciate us. Today, we'll chat with patent attorney Kara Specht. Kara focuses on patent litigation before district courts and before the International Trade Commission. Her practice covers a wide range of electronic and electrical technology areas related to computers, consumer electronics, and computer-implemented business methods. Kara has experienced before the Patent Trial and Appeal Board in inter partes review and covered business method review proceedings, including prior art searching and analysis, petition preparation, motions to exclude evidence, and expert depositions. She has first-hand insight into corporate litigation procedures, having seconded at a leading multinational technology company, and has been recognized as a trailblazer by the World Intellectual Property Review. Beyond trial-level litigations, Kara also has experience before the federal circuit preparing appeal briefs and amicus briefs. In addition to litigation, Kara also practices patent prosecution before the US Patent and Trademark Office, as well as several international patent offices. Kara serves as an editor for Finnegan's Federal Circuit IP blog and previously served on Michigan State's Journal of Business and Securities Law.
1: Oh Kara, so good to have you today on uh, Wednesday. Happy Hum Day.
2: Ah, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here.
1: I am you're one of my favorite, you know so i'm so glad to have you and um let's get started how did you choose to become a patent attorney and do you think you picked the right path
2: so i i think i did pick the right path and patent attorneys are always fun to ask this question too because i i only know one person that grew up wanting to be a patent attorney i certainly did did not um i really thought that i wanted to be an engineer and went to study uh, electrical engineering. Locally here at Georgia Tech, I could stay close to home. It was a great school. I was not great at it. I was not a very good engineer. Every class was difficult. Um, By about two or three years in, I remember thinking I cannot do engineering for the rest of my life. And so I was lucky enough that they offered a seminar where people with engineering degrees, because my dad told me I had to finish the degree, of course, you're already three years in, you got to get the degree, find something else to do after, so got I took to get the seminar, yeah. <laughs> which a good point, I mean, I was, I was almost done at that point, right, so I took this seminar course, and they had people come in for an hour every week that did non-traditional jobs with engineering degrees, so Somebody was in consulting and somebody went into management and somebody else went and got a a MBA and went into kind of supply chain stuff. And one of the people that came in was a patent attorney. Um, And I remember sitting there thinking that is something I can do. And so I went and bought a book to start studying for the LSAT the very next day. Um, And I think it was a good choice for me because I still get to do technical stuff. I still love math and science, but it's removed enough that you get the strategy and you get the technology without, you know, designing circuits every day or writing code yourself every day. So it's, it's better for me, someone who's not really hard science um, to stay involved, but you know, ha- alleviate some of the technical pressure.
1: I mean, I've been so looking forward to talk to you because you're one of my favorite person. And um, a lot of people will probably get jealous, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, cause I sort of watch you grow up from being a baby, baby attorney to be a partner now. So can you tell me a little bit about Kara, both professionally and
2: personally? I think you know most everything about me, actually. I I learned most of what I know about being a good attorney from you. I know you're not a lawyer. I don't mean practicing law, but just... How yes, to, how we
1: to, have behave to in a make that background. disclaimer
2: about the UPL. <laughs> I, I know, I know. But you, you taught me all the important stuff, like how to work with other people and meet a deadline and the, the stuff that that's really important. Um, personally, um, you know, I, I, I live in Atlanta. My family's all here. I've been here, uh, I guess, almost 30 years now. Uh, went out of state for law school, but uh, did not like the cold weather. So I came right back to the south as soon as I was finished um you know in my spare time all all the spare time you get being a patent attorney here um i like to do uh i like to travel um i like to snowboard i like to uh scuba dive and i've realized that those uh sorts of hobbies scuba diving snowboarding they're the kinds of things that you can you cannot think about anything else while you're doing them so when you're underwater you're completely submerged pun intended um in what you're working on right then and it lets me turn off my brain from what normally I'm worrying about that deadlines and all that other stuff that I'm always dealing with. So um, when I have time, I, I like to travel. I have a cat uh, who's my best friend, he's 12 now. I got him on my very first day of law school. So he's also been with me since, since the very beginning. Um, and I just built a house last year. At the end of the pandemic, um, I moved into a brand new custom house. So that was, that was really nice and something I'd never done before. Um, Professionally, you know, I focus on district court litigation and PTAP practice, which I know is your expertise as well. Um, mostly in the electrical and software arts, but I do love a good mechanical case. I had one on car seats that was really fun and having something in your hand that you can kind of take apart is is pretty, you know, this is maybe my engineering side coming back out. I really appreciated uh, that hands on experience. Um, You know, I don't know what else I can say about about that I I like sitting in my office and writing briefs i've been getting more opportunity to go into court and i've argued. um, I started 2022 actually having done no arguments before the patent office and ended 2022 having done six. Um, So that's been a great experience and something that I always thought i'm a pretty hardcore introvert and I did not think I wanted to do stand up litigation type stuff and I actually really enjoy it so. Try something
1: new. You never know. First of all, I have a comment on your bookshelf. I always admire your bookshelf whenever I see it. So (laughs) good taste. And um, I love the fact that you just acknowledge that you are a hardcore introvert. And the thing is, I actually believe that I am an introvert, but most of the people basically, whenever I said it, they were like, no, you're not an introvert. But I think I'm I'm a closet in, introvert, and I can be an embervert. Ambivert mm-hmm. is basically you should, could could just kind of do your thing, and when you have in a social setting, because you know when you're a business owner, you you cannot just like not talk, right? <laughs> you right. know, so um, you know I've seen, and when you said that um, we worked together for a long time. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that I have really been super impressed and proud is to have witnessed your growth, both professionally and personally. And I have actually during the Thought Leader conference at the PCAP bar, I think back in October, mm-hmm. and uh, at the USPTO, you were at a panel. And I remember I was sitting at the table and just being so proud of like, that's my (laughs) carrot. I'm just claiming ownership now. My God.
2: (laughs) Ah, You can. You're allowed to. You definitely are. (laughs) (laughs) So tell
1: me, from the time that you were a baby attorney, and I hope that you did not like this was not a sign of disrespect. It's just that I is a terms of endearment, and um, from the time that when you were inexperienced to the time that now you are in a position to mentor the next generation of young attorneys, women or otherwise. What are some of your
2: thoughts? You know, some days I still feel very inexperienced <laughs> and, and that's something that I love that I love about this job and something that I think it, it's helpful for more junior people to see that, you know, you, you don't like grow up and gain more experience and now you're a professional, you know, everything and you have the right answer all the time. Like I, I, I think one of the biggest things to learn is how to continue learning right how to recognize what you do know what you don't know and how to make sure that you continue to progress at at all levels so some days i definitely still feel inexperienced but the difference i think in my mentality now is i have the tools to figure out what i need to learn right so i can kind of self self self-mentor in that way identify the problem figure out how to get to the solution and and i try to you know mentoring is not just you know, brain dump everything, you know, on somebody more junior so that they learn everything, you know, right? I'd prefer to get people um, to a point where they're thinking for themselves and it, it's it's beneficial for both sides, right? Because if you work with somebody who's more junior and inexperienced, that can be a really big positive because they have new new ideas. They're not entrenched in the way I've always done it, right? And so I never want somebody to think that they have to defer to, to my opinion Uh, Or my viewpoint, and I think mentoring is really giving somebody else the confidence to know what they know and know where they need help, but the confidence to to share their ideas, even if they're bad ones and know that they'll be well received, and we can work through things together and that's the, the confidence, I think, is what really has helped me over the years. Um, I don't know if you can think back to when we first met and I didn't know what to do, I'd call you every other day, like, Ashley, help. I don't know how we file this. I don't know the formatting. I know all those things now, but I have the confidence to you know, play outside the, think outside the box and, and play with the rules a little bit and come up with some really creative solutions and allowing somebody more junior who might even have better, newer, fresher ideas to have the confidence to share those and feel confident enough to speak up um, is is something big that I, I, I try to uh, try to draw out of people that I work with.
1: How do you hold people accountable? Like, for example, mentorship or coaching, it really successful one anyway, the effective one, it really does requires an emotional connection. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, despite our best effort, people may, I mean, it's fine when people don't want to take Like advice, but in the business where you are in, it's just not like okay. Well, I can mentor this person, and then in some cases, you might have very strong opinion because you know that certain you know path would probably lead to not such a successful outcome. So, how far do you push for people to think for themselves? versus guide them?
2: That is a tough line to walk. Um, the first step, I think, is getting people to even try thinking for themselves. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's surprising to me, and I'm sure I was like this too, so I don't mean this as a slight to anybody that I work with, but it's, it's difficult to get people out of the realm of, you know, especially as an attorney, it's not a methodical job. You, you're not on an assembly line putting the pieces together. you don't write briefs or come up with arguments or positions by doing the same thing day in and day out it you're you're really being paid to think when you build your time it's it's the time that you're spending thinking about things. That's where your value is. So getting people to think for themselves is a big first step, and I, you know it, it's different with every person, but I try to go with the approach of. Give somebody the benefit of the doubt the first time. And and benefit of the doubt's not really the right word, but give them the opportunity to try something themselves first. Arm them with a few tools, right? Send a sample, give a description, talk it through, let them try it from the beginning. What's the worst that can happen? It doesn't come out, well, okay, now let's guide. But maybe they'll do a great job or maybe they'll think of something that you didn't think of, right? And once you have that, you know, a first written work product or first discussion of some ideas, Now you can guide, right? You have something to work with because if you're just guiding somebody in the abstract, they don't, it's not grounded. And so I usually give somebody an opportunity, send me your first draft, then let's walk through it together and guide from there. Because I can provide specific feedback. I can give examples from my own work. We can talk things through together, um, answer any questions at that point. Because I I think I got at this a little bit with my first answer, but it's really hard to know what you don't know. And until so, you, know, you can email somebody all day long and say, call me with any questions, call me with any questions. But if they've never tried to do something themselves, they don't even know what to ask. And sometimes I don't know what to ask um, and I don't know what to tell them because I don't know what they do or don't know. So having the groundwork of think for yourself, give it a go. And, and I, I think what's important is making sure that it's clear if what you send me is terrible, if your ideas are bad, I assure you they are not it's the first step in the process, and we're working together. Um, And that goes back to confidence, right? You have to give somebody the the kind of safety net of, you can try new things, be confident, send me your best shot. If it's not perfect, we'll work through it together, you know?
1: I think that is so true. One of the things that you hit on is assumption. And also we don't always know what we don't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's really hard. You know, we know what we know, but, So there's a book called The Four Agreements. I don't know if you have actually read it. It's a small book. It actually was very interesting. It was like, um, I think I went on an online Airbnb experience and I spoke with someone and then it was so funny. Each other word, and we were like both like blurted out the same author, but she was the one that recommended The Four Agreements with me, uh, to me. And the agreements is basically the first one is to be um, impeccable with your words. So whatever you said, you have to honor it, right? And then there's also like, don't assume, always do your best. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, kind of like respect other people. But I think the assumption part is so hard, because especially in the line of the business that we are in, you're raising against the clock. You know, you don't want to, like, even with the most difficult question, I mean, sometimes very challenging questions. Clients, may, may, I mean, you have to be conscious and efficient about billing. I- and then, but like, in terms of like, then you have your billable and that you have to complete. And then you have your mentoring because you don't want, there's no I in team, you know, it's, mm-hmm. Whenever things, I think it's really tough to be a leader because when things go right, it's the team; when things go wrong, it's the leader. Yeah, yeah. you know. So I think that it's a very difficult balance, and sometimes it's like, I know that I, I mean I'm not going to ask you, but I'm going to uh, to admit to some of the mistakes that I have is because sometimes when you don't have the time to think through and because it's like you know what you know but there is a gap in terms of understanding what the other person knows especially when they're not voicing what they don't know so there's a whole chasm that you have to feel and i thought that that is the most difficult and challenging for me and i think that is something that Turns into pretty challenging and fun for me at times. so I'm gonna tell you a fun story. Okay. um I know that I have a couple of young women that I mentor and most of the team are like you know women of various background and age and professions. and I have one that has super artistic and she was the one that draw like illustrated the animals in in the book you know and we have been working together for about like two years and one of the things that she does is like whenever i want her to do something she will do it she will never respond to me and it drives me crazy (laughs) because I'm like, I don't know how many times I have to talk to people about responsiveness. And, it you, you know, working with me, you already know that it's like one of my pet peeves. Yeah. Like, please just respond, you know, acknowledge. So I have actually had talked with her and um, we have made some a lot of progress. But one, one time that I thought that it was really interesting is that I I was a workaholic and you already know that too. So so. when I asked her to do certain things, she did it because I think that I knew that she has so much potential. So I gave her an extra challenge and she finished it. But after she finished it, I just assumed that she enjoys it just as much as I did. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, the challenge. Some people probably don't enjoy that challenge, but they will do it. And at the end of that exercise, it was so funny. I still remember. I'll tell her that I said this too. So, But um, at the end of it, apparently she was like, Ashley, I have a request. Can I take a week off? <laughs> and I said, what? What did you say? She was like, can I take a week off? Okay, request granted, but I didn't think you would work that much. She goes, like, my brain is kind of fried. (laughs) And I was like, you. She's like, no, I have other circumstances. But that is something that I think the point of this is that I think mentorship coaching, it's hard to be like, really good friends at work because there is professional boundaries but i think i applauded her for like speaking up because she's the last person that i would expect her to really speak up about the boundary and so i thought that that was really good illustration of how much she like trusted me and i really enjoy sometimes I... like <laughs> drive me completely bonkers. But there are times that it's like there's little things that happens and behaviors that change and that just like it's much better than me getting a new client because that really just is one of the reasons why I decided to do what I do. And I had not expected this year one, but I thought that that was something that I want to share with you in terms of the mentorship and coaching lessons
2: yeah and i think that goes back to to kind of what i was trying to to get at as well about you know the 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 confidence that you've instilled in her right and and you've created a safe environment where she can come to you with with questions or concerns or even just to say my brain's a little fried i need a few days which which i think is is great right like you have a built a level of trust where you can be open about that sort of thing which is it's really tough to do, you know, it's it's difficult.
1: Well, the task that I asked her to do was basically to do a voiceover mm-hmm. for like the two characters in the habitat. <laughs> one is Toto the seabird and the other one is Henrietta the horse. And I have done and um, we did our first rehearsal during a Zoom meeting because mm-hmm. I was like, she's really shy she has a really good voice. So what I was getting to is trying to experiment and see whether that would help her if I give her some cues of, and guidelines of what she needed to do, maybe that would help her with um her speech in terms of speaking with confidence,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know? So, and I have a video and then she sent it to me. It was a day late. But I knew the reason of hold up is because she cannot get herself to that. And I really like, and I talked to her in terms of how that works. So the mentoring part of it is like, and at the end of it, I kind of knew that she didn't really enjoy that part of it. So I just told her and said that I'll give you two choices or three choices, illustration, voiceover, you know, whiteboard storytelling, which part do you like the most? And she, of course, chose the illustration because she likes to draw. I have to respect her in the end. You know, so in that sense, I just kind of wanted to let you know. And I thought that that was really like when you help someone else grow and they sort of exceeded your expectation. And that was just like the best feeling. How do you feel about being a pre practitioner? And where would you like to see women practitioners in the patent litigation and the ptap space in the future
2: yeah i i mean loaded I think, question I that's <laughs> what i was about to say this is a bit of a loaded question so i i, I love being a, a ptap practitioner and i saw some statistics the other day i know the PTAB uh, bar association diversity committee i think is putting together some uh top 50 diverse practitioners and uh, there's a list of women as well and one day i hope to be on it but um the numbers are so low for for women practitioners and i can't remember what it was but it was something like 20 it was
1: 12 i think
2: I think, 12?
1: I think women was like 12 percent last year hopefully um, it will improve this year ri-
2: ridiculously low right and so i i think that presents a really great opportunity for for me to grow a, a, a practice because I, I like doing the work but also you know to try to Try to have more more women and diverse attorneys involved in the cases that I do have, and I'll tell you a, a story here, which was really fun. We had an argument in a in a case last October, and um, the guy arguing the other side was was was, was, a, was a guy, um, but on our side there were three attorneys at Finnegan, two two in house counsel, um, and all five of us on our side were women, which was really cool. And the lead judge that was that was conducting the the oral hearing and asking the majority of the questions was was also a woman, and so I thought that was a really nice, um, you know, something kind of cool to be involved in because knowing that the number is so low, twelve percent, I guess, that have even just one woman involved, you know, to have a hearing like that for you know a a it was a pretty big pretty big hearing, pretty big clients um, on both sides and to have all but one person participating and there were other t- two other judges they I get they were meant to so I guess what six out of nine that's that's pretty good, you know, and I think that's very unusual but i'm hoping that it is not unusual for for too long. Um, so anyway, I, I like being a PTAB practitioner, and I think it goes back to. Kind of the reasons I didn't like engine engineering, right? Like it's it, I I wasn't great at it. There's a lot of stuff you have to do that wasn't for me. And I feel that way sometimes about litigation as well. I, I do about 50% PTAB work, 50% district court litigation. But PTAB is such a cool um forum, number one, because it's new. It's been around as long as I've been practicing law. So we're the we're the same, same years of experience here for the AIA trials, I mean. And um the rules are changing all the time, and that's kind of fun, too, to have something that's constantly evolving. It's always something new. Each proceeding is pretty short, and it's really targeted just to the issues at hand. There's no discovery. It's not that contentious. I mean, it's adversarial, but everybody treats each other nicely. Um, and the judges at the PCAB are just fantastic. I, I have never had a bad experience with any of them. They all take their jobs so seriously. It is so refreshing to go into a hearing and have, you know, not just one, but usually all three are well prepared with questions. It's not, it's kind of unusual to have that before a district court where they're so overwhelmed with so many cases beyond patent issues. And so I, I'm biased. I think you're biased too. I think the PTAB is, is the best forum. Um, and I'm hopeful that by getting more involved and continuing to practice before the PTAB and, and staff all my teams with diverse attorneys and more women we can use that to do some good across the board for the office as a whole. Um, And honestly, the federal circuit numbers for appeals uh, in patent cases from the PTAB or otherwise are not much better than the PTAB stats. I think it's like 16% have women Mm -hmm. on the teams. Um, And so I'm excited to get involved in a little bit of that as well. I have a a few federal circuit appeals. Um, I'm not an appellate attorney, but I'm slowly learning. So one of those places where you gotta continue to evolve and learn new things, and people are mentoring me to figure out what to do, which is which is also really nice. Um, anyway, places we can make an impact across the board.
1: If you win the final written decisions, the other side may appeal. And if you lose, you might have to appeal. So at some point it will likely go to the federal circuit. And um, so yeah, I I think that's actually one of the reasons why I um decided to do the virtual water cooler chat as a podcast. Cause it, I just like, uh, I just decided that I want something different near last November, October, November timeframe. And then I was like, who am I gonna get as an interviewer? So I got Shina Yap Chen, who's the podcast the produ- produ- um the podcast, professional podcaster for the dial of Self-Confidence. So my very first podcast was interviewed by her. And it was released. And I was like, oh, I think maybe I can do this. But then it's like it's balancing between the actual um, work and doing things. And sometimes people are like, what exactly do you do? I'm like, I don't know. What exactly do I not do? <laughs> so it's like it has given me so much freedom to just kind of like I'm like an octopus that expanded two different ways um so I think that that is actually quite cool and I do love the PTAP uh you know the Bar Association as well as the you you're absolutely right in terms of like the PTAP much more collegial. Now I have seen contention. <laughs> Let me just not lie. So I've seen that, but sometimes I think because I'm much older now. And so I was like, oh, this is about them, not me. I'm just not going to take this personally. Whereas before I'm like, oh was like what is happening? Taking things too personal, right? So I think that's with age hopefully it comes with wisdom, you know. In fact, I, I spoke with uh, Jessica Kaiser. I actually interviewed her, chatted with her, um, maybe late January, and we got we had so much fun chatting. And then our life lessons. At some point, she was asking me, "Do you know Kung Fu? Like the movie Kung Fu Panda?" I said, like, "Do I know Kung Fu Panda? Of course I do. You know." So it was so much fun. And Jessica used to be an elite PTAP judge. For like seven and a half years and like in what what in what will can i actually just have such a fun time chatting with practitioners successful women like you guys and to just share their life stories so what are some key lessons learned you would like to share with our audience
2: so um, i'm gonna give you a bit of my generic answer here but i hope it doesn't come across as generic i i have Two, two rules for, for myself as well uh, as, as anybody else. And I think that they, um, I think they apply to everything, not just work, not just, you know, if you want to make self-improvements, these are the places I always start. So rule number one um, is always show up. I had a law school professor that actually was for patent litigation class, and we showed up on the first day, look at the syllabus, and the grade was 40% attendance. And I remember somebody asking her, just showing up is 40%. And she was like, yeah, that's how life is. Life is 40% showing up. If you can do nothing else, just show up to wherever you need to be that day. Or you can take it a little bit more uh, metaphorically and show up mentally or put, you know, put in that bare minimum effort. And you're already 40% of the way there. You're halfway there. So anytime I don't want to do stuff, and I said I was a hardcore introvert. I hate going to uh, you know, conferences and, and things like that. I always remind myself you just have to show up. 40% of the trouble is just showing up. And once you're there everything else falls into place a little bit easier. Um so it's rule number 1. Show up. It's 40%. Rule number 2 is if somebody offers you help or there's a resource for help that you can take advantage of, always do. It's kind of like the breath mint. Uh rule, you know, if somebody offers you a breath mint, you have to take it. If somebody offers help, I'll always take it. Um and, and I, I tried to do that as well, because if they're offering, it means that they probably have something that they want to share with you. And that's an opportunity to learn something new, or even just to have a moment to talk with them or whatever it may be. You're never too good to ask for help. And if somebody is asking you if you need help and offering it, it's so easy to just say, yes, let me give you a call. Would love to get your thoughts on that if you're offering and so those, those are my two rules. Show up, always accept help when it's offered. And that's, I, I think that applies to, to everything. You know, if you're ever having a bad day, do those two things. It'll be a little bit better. So
1: now this is sort of like a bonus question.
2: Oh, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now get ready for the bonus. So okay. the bonus question that I want to ask you now I am now your mentee and what advice would you give me because you know me for some time now and to to what to do what actually in life um yeah just basically you and I have worked together for some time and most of the time and I do I'm very grateful that you always give me so much credit but please accept a lot of credit for yourself so um I just want to let you know that, but I've seen so much growth in you and we haven't really worked together for a long time. So I wonder from, a, from your perspective, what are some of the things that you think that I would benefit from your sage advice <laughs> or maybe just oh. any advice?
2: <laughs> You're you're a tough one to mentor, Ashley. Let me tell you because you you don't need me. I, I look to you as a mentor. In fact, um, but he, you know, let me let me when when you said you were going out to start your own practice, and I think you were a little nervous about it, if I remember right. And there was well, a lot I think of unknowns. would be a normal reaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there were so many unknowns, and and I just I remember thinking that you. We're for sure going to be successful because you know your own worth and you have the confidence to value yourself like other, like like you should be valued, right? And so I remember thinking she's not going to have a problem because you have a great skill set. And I don't just mean your niche PTAB filings, although that's very you know useful as well and it's hard to do right actually. Um, but just the idea of the way you are able to interact with people and get them to see the potential in you and this this goes to i'm going to get to the mentoring in just a minute but i got to set the stage um i think goes to the fact that you've been able to do so many things now that you're running your own company right you you do mentoring and you have uh the the book that you've written and you do a lot of writing you have this podcast and you still do the legal work on you know i'll say on the side even though that really is your bread and butter but it's it's what
1: pays the mortgage
2: (laughs) Yeah, but you've used it as an opportunity to do other stuff that you want to do. That's really doing a lot of good, good for the community and, and for yourself and for the people that work directly with you as well. So I, I think in the spirit of mentoring, what I, what I would do to you, for you is ask where you want to go next and see what else is there to, you've done so much. Is there anything else that you wanted? I forgot that you also run the Airbnbs We'll throw that one in there too. Um, is there something else that you wanna do? Are there people that you wanna work with? Is there somebody you wanna interview on this podcast that would be particularly meaningful and figure out what else, what else you need? I mean, I, I don't think I have necessarily anything to offer you, but I'll offer you as much help as I can give you to make sure you're achieving everything you want. And that's, that's, that's in my view, what mentoring is all about. Finding out what's best for somebody and helping them get there.
1: I think that that is friendly advice. And I think that I'm so glad that you actually thought that I sort of know what I was getting myself into and have that all that confidence. It was, sometimes it was not so easy at the beginning because there was so much of it. It was, I was so used to be in one uh, environment because I've been in a law firm for like 19, actually law firms in about like maybe 20 some years. And so that's the environment that I actually knew. And there was so many things, but, but the thing is like that, like law firms are usually very hierarchical and very structured. So one of the things that I really do enjoy is the freedom, but with freedom, it also comes with responsibility. Mm-hmm. So being responsible at the beginning, I wasn't scaling. I was just, oh, just do my thing, go travel. Well, COVID happened. I <laughs> haven't yeah. gone to Australia and New Zealand. I still need to get there. And um so I think that, yeah, you're right. You you I didn't really talk about like urban raccoons. And actually I had a lunch with my real estate, you know, friend. Mm-hmm. And I bought like one of the condo from him and stuff like that. And sometimes it's really good to have the advice because obviously, you know, he's a really good friend. I've known him for over 20 years. And I'm so glad that you said that is because sometimes it might seem on the surface I know exactly what I'm going doing, but there were so many things that it being like thrown at me, not necessarily just like the legal stuff, then there's like team building, there's a leadership, there's like, you know, the business CEO's hat that I have to wear. And also, let's just face it, I'm not an attorney, but I support like leading practitioners. I have to be careful about what I said and file the right thing, not get myself into any liability issues or legal trouble. A lot of things that I had never thought of. And that was really, I think the things that really have been helpful is I listen to a lot of podcasts I listened to, I actually, like when I listen to a podcast or when I read a book, I like, I like what I read. Then I started writing questions to the author. I, I really do a nothing venture, nothing game for the most part. And, um, so like for this podcast, we have over like 65 women that said yes. I only release every day different so I every mean, two weeks. right? So it was like that, but like sometimes it was good because I do actually have really a huge network. So for example, my realtor and I sat down today and he really just helped me because some of the numbers are confidential. So I had to sit down and with someone that I trust. And sometimes it's that mentality of, I don't know if you read that book about Robert Kiyosaki, mm-hmm. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's basically about how you manage money. So we've talked about that. And she he basically like take out his notebook and basically, okay, how much is this worth? How much is this worth? How much are you going to do this? And basically strategizing with me. Those are the things that like my parents, you know, did not come for money you know i work really hard so i look at stuff from a very traditional like i work hard i make my money i get my bonus but that's not really how the tax structure works
2: right it
1: goes to you know tax. you know it goes to taxes so a lot of things is like for example there's if there's like certain things have you know Sometimes it's like, I was like, oh, there's so much trouble. I'm just going to have to sell a condo or something like that. Mm -hmm. And just because of the hassle of dealing with certain things. And he would advise me. He would give me advice. I mean, people can give advice. It's up to you whether you take it or not. But it's really amazing that I'm like, why are you not trying to tell me to sell my place? Because inventory is slow. You know, it's low because like, hey, actually, if you want to sell your place, I would totally buy it from you right now. I'm like, but I don't want you to regret it later. Those are good mentors. And we really were able to talk and stuff like that. So I treat you as one of my friends. And I'm really, really glad that we get a chance to talk about all of this. And thank you so much for your advice to me, because I think that is very on point and um thank you for noticing so that i really appreciate you Kara.
2: well thank you for thank you for taking the time to talk with me and for counting me as one of your friends you're you're one of mine too it was it, it was a sad time when when you left the firm and i'm so glad that we we've been able to stay in touch and i love what you've done with your with your company and for yourself and i'm so glad that i get to be a part of that still
1: of course, you know, I will always, I mean, I still remember. And whenever I tell my mom, I, I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to talk to Kara. Who's Kara? I said, Kara, the one from Japan. He goes, oh, okay. Also the one in Atlanta. Okay. So yeah. I have to like identify my location.
2: From from Harajuku Street. That's where we went shopping that day. Exactly. <laughs> you you
1: bought your, your cat backpack. I mm-hmm. bought my Snoopy backpack.
2: Yep. I bought a lot of cat stuff that day. I think I came home with three cat t-shirts and a cat backpack. We had good food. It was a good time. So, Mm
1: -hmm. well, thank you.
2: All right. Thank you.